Welcome to All Things Billy. Of course, I'm your host, Michael Anthony Judicissi. Thanks for being here. We've got a great guest today, Mr. Josh Slatton, Billy the Kid's Historical Coalition. And uh, before we go to our interview with Josh, I want to thank you all for listening, uh, both in the world of podcasts and the world of YouTube as well. Um, please stay in touch with the show. Billy the Kid Rides again at gmail.com or check us out on Twitter at BTK Rides. And uh, we'll continue to bring you enticing, enlightening <laughs> Billy the Kid content. <laughs> uh, I see people are listening, so somebody must be into it. Uh, and uh, and I, uh, I appreciate you. Uh, we uh, have a big week of shows and interviews coming up. And uh, so we'll uh, just keep rolling here. But I don't know what week you're listening to this in. You could be listening to it a year after it was created. So in that case, how the hell do I know what I'm going to be doing a year from now, if anything? So at the time this was recorded, we have a big week coming up. But it could be a very small week by the time you wind your way around to my little podcast. Anyway, uh, we're going to get right over to uh, Josh and uh, preserving Billy the Kid history, historic sites, right after these words. All right. All right. So we've got a special guest with us today. They're, <laughs> they're always special, right? Anybody that would come on my show has got to be special. So, uh, but today we've got author, historian, researcher, gosh, I don't even know, like all around Billy the Kid guy. Uh, Josh Slatton. Josh, welcome to the show. Michael, thank you. That's uh, that's a lot of titles. I've never looked at myself in so many <laughs> different lights before. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Your uh, podcast is the first one I've ever listened to. Um, so I don't really know what to base that off of, but uh, you're doing some really good work. I've really enjoyed the first, what, six or seven that you've got going. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. This is officially episode 12 Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, 12 or 13, depending on, you know, when we get it released. But yeah, we've, uh, I've been having fun with it. And, uh, you know, the guests obviously make it much, much easier. So, hey, I want to get right to this because Josh is, he's got a book coming out he'll talk about later because it's a little later this year. But Josh is just a, uh, I'll call him a fanatical researcher when it comes to locations. And so what I wanted to talk about today, Josh, was some of the Billy the Kid sites that people would overlook. Um, but that they really should see, or at least they should know about, because absolutely everybody knows about Lincoln, right? Everybody goes sure. there. You go there. I go there. I was there a couple of weeks ago. We walked through there wide-eyed, and it's cool. Um, and a lot of people go to Fort Sumner and look at the grave, and you know, as I've noted, they probably don't do much else there. Maybe go to the museum. But those are the two sites for the the kind of uh, let's call them the entry level uh, Billy the Kid fan. Uh, that everybody would think about going. But what I want to go, I want to know the, the the best five places. If you really want to chase down the kid and you really want to know what he lived through and the things he saw, uh, let's go one by one sure. and let's pick five places that are off the beaten path, but on the Billy the Kid trail. What's the first one? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, the first one, and, and it's pretty well known, but nobody knows where it's at is uh, I'd have to talk about Stinking Springs. Um, that's just a really, really cool site. And it's definitely off the beaten path. And, you know, with the killing of Charlie Bowdry and Billy being captured, it, it might be one of the more well-known incidents in the kid's life. And just nobody really knows where it's at. and Nobody's seen it in person. So I think that's pretty cool. So let's talk about that. Uh, I have seen pictures of it. I've actually never been there uh, when I was sure. doing my, making my first film. I talked to some contacts in Fort Sumner and said, gosh, I think I'd kind of like to go film there with our actor who played Charlie Bowdry. But they said there's really not much left and recent pictures prove that. What what happened to the rock house at Stinking Springs? Where is it? Well, uh, unfortunately, it's a little bit of everywhere. So pretty much what I've been told by some old timers that are in the area. And unfortunately, a lot of them have since passed is basically just slowly over the years, the rocks have been uh taken away to use in other establishments or settlements in the area. Unfortunately, uh, souvenir hunters have kind of picked it away quite a bit. Uh, that's really kind of the sad thing. When I went there, maybe 
I'd say 25 years ago was the first time I went to the site and there was a pretty noticeable foundation there. And unfortunately, the last time I was there, maybe three months ago, uh, you just about can't even see the foundation anymore. And I pretty much attribute that to souvenir hunters. So I think that's kind of why, fortunately, it stayed kind of hidden because I'm kind of afraid what would happen if it wasn't so obscure and obsolete and hard to find. But uh, yeah, initially it was taken apart to be uh, to have the rocks used in other locations. And like I said, tourists have kind of gotten it since then. So if you were to take me out there, since I've never been to the site and said, yeah, it's, it's over there, walk that way, would I even be able to tell when I was on it? Or is it so far gone that if you don't know what to look for, you're not going to even see it? You know, it's pretty hard. Um, I went probably 10 years without going. And when I went back for the first time in 10 years, I guess maybe two years ago, it took me probably 30 minutes to find it. And I was oh, wow. within I was within 100 yards of it the entire time. So when you're standing right on it, you can clearly kind of see it. You can make out an outline of a, of a structure. Um, but yeah, you've got to really know what you're looking for. Uh, otherwise, you'll just you'll walk right over it and not even realize it. So two questions about the rock house. The first thing is like, take us there. Like what's the topography, Billy Bowdry, Rudabaugh, Billy Wilson, they're all inside. They're snoring away. Billy says they were going to go out in the morning, cook some food and then light out for Mexico, which I I don't think I believe, but, um, and Garrett Garrett and his men are stationed there because they easily tracked him in the snow. What does it look like? Is it hilly? Is it rolling Hills? Is it a good vantage point? Or, or was that just the only place that they could go and they had no choice? You know, I've, I've, it's kind of funny you bring that up because I've always wondered why that was chosen as the, as the spot to go. I mean, there's a couple answers to that. One, there's just not much else there. Um, they came from the Wilcox Brazil Ranch, which I'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, other than that, there's just not else. There's just not much else between Fort Sumner and uh portalis or billy the kid's cave which again is another cool site we'll talk about so they may have simply chose that location out of necessity obviously the weather was really crappy uh that night a lot of snow on the ground uh sub-zero temperature so it was probably out of necessity uh one thing i would like to point out about the site that seems like hollywood always gets wrong big surprise right is there you always see mountains in the background and it's a very uh wooded area so to speak and that's just not the case it's a it's a pretty flat area there's an arroyo that runs parallel to it which as we know that's where Garrett and his men kind of hit out and seek uh, got a little bit of shelter and cover in but other than that it's pretty barren it's pretty flat there's no hills or, or there's very little hills there's no mountains uh, almost no trees other than some yucca trees so yeah, there's just not a lot there that's really appealing to the eye. So if you're not interested in the history that occurred at that spot, you're probably not going to enjoy it too much. You're not going to take a lot of pictures of uh, dead mesquite bushes and stuff like that. So, okay. No, not really. So here's my other question. Um, why don't you rebuild it? Or why doesn't somebody rebuild it? It's, an, it's a really important historical site. Because sure. if not for Garrett capturing the killing boundary, capturing the kid, uh, the kid probably at that point goes down in history as a footnote. He doesn't go to trial. He doesn't kill his guards. He doesn't escape to Sumner. Like all that stuff doesn't happen. It's pretty important. Go get a pile of rocks and rebuild it. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. And, and I think you're right. You know, a lot of people, a lot of historians will argue back and forth about what the pivotal moment in the kid's career is. And a lot will say that his trial, uh, David Thomas, a very good friend of mine was on your show. He says it's the kid's trial. Other uh, historians say it's when he escaped from Lincoln. I personally think Stinking Springs is the pivotal moment for the reason that you just said. He doesn't get captured there. He doesn't make the most famous escape in, uh, you know, Old West history. And we might not know who he is today. So, uh, yeah, that's a big site worth preserving. Um, we can talk about my uh, nonprofit here in a little bit. But one of the projects and one of the things that I've got in mind for the future is to, to do something on that site to help preserve the location. Now, whether that's rebuilding it, whether that's putting a marker up right beside it, I'm not really sure yet. I'm still tossing around some ideas. Uh, the current property owner is a, is a very nice gentleman, but he's not overly fond of the attention for obvious reasons. So um, that's just kind of something that I'll have to sit down with him and talk about and see what he's willing to do. Last time I spoke with him, he seemed somewhat reluctant, but willing to allow us to put some sort of marker there. So we'll probably pursue that in the somewhat near future, but we'll just have to kind of talk about it and see what 
what he's willing to let us do. Gotcha. And then uh, finally, a little rock house trivia, uh, unknown if this is true. So you tell me. Okay. Um, Did Billy or somebody in his gang bury a gun in some cash in the back corner of that rock house with the intent that he'd go get it later? And then was that gun found by uh, one of Steve Cedarwall's detectives or is that not true? Now, whether or not it was found by one of Steve's detectives, I couldn't swear to. Um, I, I haven't talked to Steve about that, but I do know that, yes, uh, it, to the best of my knowledge, he did hide a gun there. It's believed some of the uh, possibly some of the counterfeit bills that uh, he'd been uh, exchanging and dealing with was also located there. You know, I've heard some speculation that that's one of the reasons why he returned to that area after escaping from Lincoln. You know, he's known to say that he went back to the area because he needed to get some money. Perhaps that's what he was going back for. Um, so I'm not sure. But, yeah, I do believe uh, I'm not sure what the guns displayed now, but there was a pistol that was found at that location, I think, in 1901. I may be off a year or two on the date. So, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Yes, sir. Oh, I thought it was much later that it was found. It was actually found that early. Uh, I believe so. Don't, don't quote me on that. But yeah, I believe it was around just after the turn of the century. Well, if it was, uh, well, that's about when Steve was born. So maybe he. <laughs> oh, wow. Drops fired. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So, so site number one, the Rock House at Stinking Springs. If you're uh, like a real diehard Billy fan, go and take a look around the area. Otherwise, wait and see what Josh comes up with as far as restoring the site or marking it. Okay. What's. Uh, must-see site number two for Billy the Kid Fanatics. Well, site number two, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm not these. Now I want to go ahead and start out by saying these are not in order because we'd right. be here all night long if I was trying to figure <laughs> out what what is in order as far as cool points go. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick with uh, that location. Let's go ahead and talk about the Wilcox and Brazil Ranch because mm-hmm. that's where he, of course, fled uh, when going to Stinking Springs. Um, that location is going to be located about four miles as a crow flies directly to the west of the Stinking Springs site, just south of the interstate. So another really cool site. Um, not much there now. There's a little bit of a foundation. I was there last about maybe six months ago. I was able to dig around a little bit and I found a foundation. Um I'm not going to say I was the first one to find it in the next amount of years, but I've not seen it documented anywhere. So I was pretty excited about that. So that's a definite uh, must-see spot. Uh, obviously, the kid and uh, his gang uh, frequented there many times. Uh, we know that's where uh, they went just prior to going to Stinkin' Springs. And, of course, Garrett was uh, certainly friends with the ranch owner and frequented that location numerous times. So for uh, the uh, the uninitiated, four miles to the west would put it four miles closer to uh, to Old Fort Sumner than the That's Rock correct. House. So you, you're a little bit closer there. And yes. and as the crow flies, how far is it from Fort Sumner to the to the ranch? To the Wilcox Ranch, I'm going to guess about 10, 10 to twelve miles, perhaps. Got I could it. be off a mile or two, but ten to twelve miles. It's about a 10 minute drive once you leave Billy's grave before you get to the side of uh, the Wilcox ranch. It's on private property, but you can see it just plain as day right on the side of the road uh, between the barbed wire fence and the railroad track that runs parallel. It's actually really easy to locate. Uh, I don't really don't know why, honestly, more people don't talk about it and why it's not visited more because about all the sites I found, honestly, that was probably one of the easiest. So it's, it's right there. It's very noticeable because there's still this, there's a spring there, which is what uh, attracted them to that location. It's why they put the ranch at that spot. And the spring is still active. Uh, there's still quite a bit of water there. And of course there's cottonwood trees that surround that. And those are probably the only trees within about a hundred mile radius if you know that terrain yeah, pretty sure. well so it's pretty easy to find and it's man it's just a cool site the the wet the road that leads up to the ranch is still extremely visible um you can just imagine seeing the kid and his guys riding up there or leaving from there it's it's just a really really cool site and just nobody talks about it so in uh in billy's time uh the ranch uh, i would assume they were uh you know uh, ranching cattle uh was it was it a major kind of hub uh, stopover for people coming, going to Fort Sumner, or was this just friends of Billy and his gang that they sought a little bit of shelter before they got on out? 
No, it was a pretty frequent spot. Uh, the reason being is there was the, of course, there's several names for it, the Los Portales Road, the Texas Road. Uh, I've seen a couple names for it. But uh, that was one of the main thoroughfares that ran between Fort Sumner and over into the Texas Panhandle. Uh, the common route would be through there and then on through Stinkin' Springs on over to Los Portales where Billy the Kid's Cave was and then into the Texas Panhandle. So I would imagine that that, was, uh, that location saw quite a bit of traffic. Got it. Cool. So that's something you can go look at from the road today. You probably can't. It's private property, so don't go poking around there. Any of these sites, sure. by the way, that are on private yeah, property, uh, because uh, because this is New Mexico, and uh, <laughs> and people like yeah. to protect their their themselves and their property. So if you can ask permission, if you can't, just look at it from afar. All right. Absolutely. The Wilcox Brazil Ranch. Just east of Fort Sumner site number two. How about number three? Must see Billy the Kid sites. Well, uh, let's do a real quick, uh, let's say 2.1 if we will, while we're on that location. Um, mm-hmm. I'd also like to talk about the Yerby Ranch. And again, that's another small spot that nobody really talks about. Uh, we know that Charlie Bowdry was the foreman there. We know that Billy frequented that location numerous times. During that time that Charlie Bowdry was kind of trying to go straight, depending on whose story you want to believe. Uh, he was doing his best to uh, lead an honest, upstanding, you know, be a good guy, but he was also friends with the kids. So he was still harboring some stolen cattle there. Anyways, uh, the Yerby Ranch would be located just north of the Wilcox Ranch. And uh, I, through quite a bit of digging, was able to locate that site. There's nothing left, of course, and it's, it's quite a bit of a trek to get to the location. And again, it's on private property and there's really not a lot to see there, but it was kind of cool to at least lock eyeballs so to speak on a location where so much kid history happened um as you know garrett thought that the kid and his guys were there and ended up intercepting Tar- or tom o'fallier i'm sorry and kind of pursued him for a ways and by the time garrett got to the ranch there was nothing there but a couple of mules if i remember right and uh, i believe charlie Bowdry's wife was still there so if you're familiar with kid history you'll you'll certainly have come across the yerby ranch and that's right in that same location as well and i thought that was pretty cool and uh Bowdry says uh, uh in a letter not to Garrett uh to uh gosh I can't remember who it was uh maybe it was Lee. Captain Lee and Roswell that yes, hey uh-huh. I've, I've I've kind of abandoned the ranch because I don't want to fight to come off there I think it's um you know Mr. Yerby's do that at least and so I'm yes. kind of camping out on the plains so yeah a really famous spot uh and and kind of a you know Charlie's last stand he gave up on that continued to ride with the kid and as we said we know where his uh, yeah. where his story ended. Okay, site number three. Site number three. Um, let's talk about the Great House Station. Man, that's mm-hmm. a really really cool spot. And, Jane Great House, uh, uh, riding well, naked through town on a horse. Right. You know, I wish it was that cool. <laughs> I really do. Um, trust me, when uh, I grew up seeing and thinking of that image, when I learned that it wasn't a really attractive redheaded naked woman, I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> but uh, you know, we all were. Yeah, I'm sure we all were. Um, yeah, I mean, as everybody knows, the the name Great House from Young Guns 2, of course, it, uh, you know, similar to the kid was held up in that station, so to speak. And it was actually a tavern, uh, kind of served as a tavern station, waylay spot for travelers that were traveling from Las Vegas, which as we know is, is on the northern end. And it was uh, right on the trail that would run down into White Oaks. So Jim Greathouse, he actually had a station in Anton Chico, which most people don't realize. And then he had a second one to con- to uh, break up the journey down about 40 miles north of White Oaks. And that's a uh, great house station or tavern, whichever you choose. So obviously a really, really cool spot. Again, another spot that's on private property. Um, I'm not going to take too much credit for finding this because that wouldn't be fair. Uh, My buddy Lucas Spears, which I know a lot of Billy the Kid nuts and people that are online know him from uh, from the old Billy the Kid outlaw gang. And he actually is one of the few people that's been to the site. He went there 25 years ago and actually he come and hung out with me this past summer and uh, he went back again and was able to locate it again and finally got some GPS uh, longitude and latitude on it. And so we were able to Again, I keep saying we, he was able to find it again and, and made it a, and now we're going to document it. And uh, so that was pretty cool that 
I've been to the site, but uh, he found it. And again, kudos to him because had he not done that, it probably would have been lost to history because there's just nobody else out there that knows where it's at. Anything left of it? Well, there's a pile of rocks where great, I'm sorry, where uh, Carlisle, Deputy Carlisle was buried. Uh, as most of y'all know the story, he jumps out of the window um, and whether the kid and his gang shot him, whether his own posse shot him, that's up to debate, but uh, pretty much he was buried where he fell. Um, he exchanged a gunfire. He drops dead right there. Posse freaks out. They leave. Billy and his gang decide this is our time. They shag out of there. And the next day when they come back, they uh, the actual great house and his cook that were there buried him in a shallow grave, covered him up with rocks. And then later that day, a posse returned from White Oaks, burned the place to the ground and reburied uh, Deputy Carlisle in an actual wooden box is how they describe it at the same location. So you can clearly see his grave to this day right there, uh, covered with a pile of rocks. It's currently unmarked. And then there's actually two fence posts that are sticking up out of the ground that mark where the corral was. And other than that, that's about it. Um, they, uh, they did some metal detecting and they brought some CSI guys on the property about 20 years ago and pulled up a bunch of cartridges and a bunch of other stuff that allowed us to recreate the gun battle a little bit. But uh, yeah, there's not much there, but hopefully soon um, either this May or late summer, we're going to put a headstone up for deputy Carlisle. I've been in contact with the property owner. He was a really nice guy lives up in Nebraska, completely oblivious to the property and what was on it until we talked, but he was uh, very supportive of that. And soon we'll get uh, deputy Carlisle, the grave marker that he deserves. That's great. Um, so if I remember right, Billy denies having any part in killing Carlisle. Uh, right. but, but during this journey from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Old Fort Sumner to Las Vegas, uh, Rudabaugh says, no, that's bullshit. You, you know, exactly. You, you shot him once or twice. You know, we shot once and somebody else shot twice at him. Um, right. What do you think happened? Um, you know, I tend to think you're right. And by the way, kudos to you, man. You're you're on point with your knowledge. I'm impressed. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the story goes is kind of like like you said, uh, Billy Wilson, I believe, if I've got my facts straight is talking to Bell, the same Bell that Billy later killed, and is asking Bell for a favor. And Bell basically says, you know, that's, you got a lot of nerve asking me for a favor after what you did to Carlisle, who Deputy Bell and Carlisle were friends prior to that. And supposedly Billy Wilson kind of hangs his head in shame and says something to the effect of, you know, I didn't want to do that, or we didn't have anything to do with that. And that's when Rudaball chimes in, basically, you're a damn liar. I think he says, uh, the kid shot him twice and I shot him once or I may have my numbers backwards but yeah basically Rudaball uh, implicates uh, Billy and Billy Wilson and himself in the killing so I think that's probably what happened um, there's also some uh, accounts that say that uh, Deputy Carlisle had Billy the Kid's gloves on him so prior to the Great House shootout if you will uh, Billy the Kid and his little group were way later ambushed at a spot called Coyote Springs, which is about six miles north of White Oaks. And in that little gun battle, and again, that's another thing about kid history that most people don't talk about or even know about, but in that gun battle that took place, uh, the kid and his gang were taken by surprise, basically. They were kind of camped out at a place called Coyote Springs. The posse rides over the hill, so to speak, starts shooting, takes them all by surprise and everybody just kind of scatters and Billy, the kid left his brand new gloves uh, at the campsite and supposedly deputy Carlisle found them. And of course it's a very cold night, a lot of snow on the ground. He puts them on and he still had them, had uh, them on him when he went inside the tavern. So, you know, that may have been enough after Billy walked all those miles in the snow, that may have been just enough to piss him off. I don't know. Um, Frostbite can do that to you. That's just what I was thinking is did those, you know, that free pair of gloves cost Carlisle his life? If the gloves it do fit, you shouldn't. Must have quit, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of that rhymes with it, but you're right. So <laughs> I, I tend to lay that one on Billy and uh, his guy's feet. I think Billy even says, talking to Garrett later in the Lincoln County Jail, that basically just says there's more to that than people realize. And he kind of hung his head in shame. So I think that was probably one of his uh, more dastardly deeds, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So site number three, uh, great house station uh, on the uh, must see Billy, the kid trail. Where do we go next? What's number four? Number four, this is probably out of all the spots that I've found the coolest thing that I was just blown away by. And again, it's just another one that really most people, people know, but they just don't go to or even try to go to is I'm going to go ahead and go with Fritz Springs. Now, this is uh, located just across the, the road from the Fritz Ranch, just outside of Lincoln. Uh, if you know your Billy the Kid history, you know, this is where well, I think Frank McNabb and I'm sorry, McNabb, Frank Coe, I'm going to draw a blank because you just caught me off guard on the third party that was with them. But that's where they're ambushed. Uh, McNabb's killed. Frank Coe's injured, I think, and uh, taken captive. So uh, that location's really, really cool. It's obscure. It's really pretty. It's still a natural running spring. Was it Ab Saunders? Ab, yes, correct. That's when he was shot in the ankle, and then he was taken to right. Fort Stanton, I believe. I so that, see, there you go, man. The uh, What's that? The... Uh, the student has become the master. Good job, bud. Um, but yeah, so that location is is really cool. It's right behind the family cemetery, which 25 years ago when I first went was open to the public, but they've since roped it off. And, and now you have to have permission to get on there. I was fortunate enough to know the right people and they let me on and I was able to go to the cemetery where Dolan's buried at, which was really cool. And then if you go about, oh gosh, I'd say 50 to maybe 50 yards behind that up against a rock incline, you'll actually run into the spring. And, and other than just the coolness of that's where that little gun battle happened at where McNabb was killed. I mean, Apaches were the Mescaleros were going there for forever to, to stop and water their horses. That was a natural spring. So pretty much anybody that was anybody during the Lincoln County war stopped there every time they were coming back and forth between Lincoln and San Patricio or, or any of those little villages along there. So a very, very cool place. I've got some great photos. I'm really looking forward to, to publishing those soon and, and talking about that site a little further. So yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights of my little escapades. And McNabb was the second captain of the Regulators, so I remember I took over after Dick Brewer was killed. Is that right? Right after Brewer, yes, sir. McNabb would have been second and very, very short-lived, unfortunately. And McNabb's another one of those guys that we're definitely wanting to try and get a headstone up for him because he's most he's buried in Lincoln right now in an unmarked grave. So kind of a shame that he doesn't get a little bit more attention. So hopefully we can fix that kind of incredible when you start talking about it how many unmarked graves are scattered around well i mean probably a lot of these old west towns but lincoln especially um, oh, yeah. even even some of the graves that are marked aren't even in the right spot and there's houses and garages and stuff built all over them it's it's uh, it's almost as if there was a whole nother not even a lifetime a whole nother world that took place and then we just just imprinted modern day over the top of it and just didn't give a crap about uh, what was underneath. Yeah. But, but it's, it's kind of incredible that people are scattered all throughout there. You never know when you might be walking over somebody's remains. huh? Oh yeah. It's everywhere. You know, talking about the graves in Lincoln, you know, most people don't even realize that there's an older original cemetery in Lincoln. And I'm not talking about the one as you're coming in off of, you know, from San Patricio into town that's well marked, but uh, there's another one up, kind of by uh and the patron house i'm sorry where the bed and breakfast is up behind the hills mm -hmm. and there's scattered graves through there and most of them are knocked down now and, and you know you can read a few of them the sandstones kind of wiped away and washed away with time but yeah there's just a lot of a lot of graves and a lot of cemeteries there that just don't get any attention and i don't know it's kind of a thing of mine it, it kind of makes me sad so that's why i've kind of tried to start focusing a lot of my energy on that sort of stuff i just I figure if you're going to lay there for eternity, somebody should know about it. Yeah, for sure. So tell us the name, spell out the name of the springs. Uh, Fritz, just like oh, the- Oh, Fritz, Emil Fritz. Yes, gotcha. F -R -I -T -Z. F -R -I -T -Z. Yes, Fritz Springs number four. Number four, the, yes, sir. The, the final uh, uh, final showdown of Frank McNabb, regulator captain. And so onward we move to the number five must-see on the Billy the Kid Trail, little known- spot sure. it is well let's see man you're really making me think hard and limit it to five so let's talk about something that a lot of other people don't talk about and 
I'll be honest with you, up until about six months ago, I really hadn't given much thought, but let's go down to Tularosa. Oh, yeah. Um, in Tularosa, uh, there's a block there, and uh, it's called the, it used to be referred to as the Pat Coughlin, C-O-G-H-L-A-N block. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's where Billy the Kid was held on the night, one of the nights when he was coming back from Messiah. Uh, after being convicted of the murder of Brady. And of course he stayed in Tularosa at uh, there's some debate on whether or not it was a jail or whether or not it was a house, but uh, he stayed there and the posse of course stayed in a hotel that was right beside it. And uh, so that's a pretty cool site. And if you've driven through Tularosa, you've drove within a rock's throw of it and never even knew it was there. So Mm -hmm. I'm actually going back down there this Wednesday and I'm meeting a good friend of mine who's a historian and a archaeologist and he's going to kind of walk me through the site again and kind of lay it out for me so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that so that's a really cool site uh, the whole block is unfortunately it's kind of been leveled but uh, some archaeologists have gone and dug up a lot of stuff and you can get the foundations of where the old hotel was there and the jail where the kid was kept at you can see all that so it's it's pretty cool um yeah, and then after shortly after he had it, I believe John Meadows and his family ended up purchasing the block. And of course, everybody's kind of familiar with him and his involvement with the kids. So there's a lot of history in that block in that area. And again, just nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. Very cool. So number five, the Pat Coglin block in Tularosa, New Mexico. And uh, Billy uh, stayed overnight there on his way back to Lincoln back to Lincoln you know it's not really just that Uh, that was it's speculated that that's where Billy was selling a lot of his cattle that he was bringing over from the Texas panhandle Uh, Pat was kind of the uh, Pete Maxwell if you will of southern New Mexico so uh, probably had a little bit of shady dealings but uh, basically he was taking in all of Billy's stolen livestock and selling it so that was a definite hot spot for the kid and uh Again, that's where those are the those are the steps that he walked. So that's why I find it so interesting. It's funny you said that he was probably involved in little shady dealings. It seems like almost everybody was. Whether you were a good guy, bad guy, white hat, black hat, everybody kind of skirted some part of the law at some point. Um, and uh, I found it pretty fascinating uh, when I talked to Drew Gomber that he he painted uh, Alexander McSween as the bad guy and the kind of the instigator of the entire. Lincoln County War. Um, but uh, I, I think that's maybe just the way life was in those days. You you did what you had to to survive. And sometimes you did more than you had to to survive. Yeah, so, yeah there's there just wasn't a whole lot of black and white back then. I just think there was a lot of gray. And like you just said, people did what they had to do. And unfortunately, most of that was in that gray area. Because you're right, it's there really wasn't any solid good guys or solid bad guys. I mean, I kind of agree, agree with Drew. I think uh, McSween definitely, I don't know that I would say he was the main villain, but he definitely uh, was responsible for a, a good majority of the violence there. Now, had it happened, had he not done what he did with the Fritz money, I don't know, but uh, it was it definitely didn't help. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Drew on that. Yeah. Hey, Josh, somebody's like, there's people you see all the time, especially on social media. Oh my gosh, I'd love to go to Lincoln. I'd love to be able to, you know, go see all these sites. And for them, for us, you live uh, Amarillo. So three or four hour drive at most. That's about a, yeah, it's about a four and a half hour drive. Okay. And I got about a three hour drive, which out West is really not much at all. So we could kind of go whenever we want, but sure you do see people from all over the world that it, it is a, a destination. It's uh, like going to the whaling wall in Jerusalem. Right. And so <laughs> if somebody's going to make a trip to New Mexico and they want to follow the Billy, the kid trail, they want to see the sites, they want to take it all in. Cause they're going to, this is a once in a lifetime thing. How much time should they allow themselves to be here? Well, if you're going to make the trip and again, you want to see everything and you want to really get your money's worth, I think you're dealing with a four to five day trip. I've, mm-hmm. I've been in contact with some guys from around the States and I've planned out some trips for folks and I can't get it in in less than three to four days minimum. So you really want to soak it all in. You need, 
I'd say four to five days. Cause you know, you're forgetting that you got to go out. We didn't even talk about it, but you go all the way up to Las Vegas and then the Montezuma where, you know, he met uh, Jesse James, supposedly you go over to Santa Fe. Um, there's a lot to see in both of those places, Las Vegas. And then you're going all the way down to, to Mesilla. Uh, you can actually, I'm going here next week. You can go to El Paso even and if you believe that he helped a buddy of his escape in 1877 the old el paso county jail and museum is still there to see then you're going all the way over to camp grand or fort grant whichever you want to call it in benita arizona um, it's just a lot of area and then of course up into texas and tascosa where uh, it's going to be about 45 miles north of amarillo it's a large area so if you really want to see the kid man you better give it five days that's my advice <laughs> So you just named so many places that were even outside of the ones we've talked about today. And I think for somebody that uh, was coming here, it could be daunting going, well, how do I route myself? How do I find these places? What do I look for when I get there? Well, what is, how's that going to happen? How, how's that somebody going to figure all of this out? Or is your new book going to help them? Uh, that's the, that's the goal. Yes, sir. Um, so cheap plug on my part. That's kind of what I started out with. I'd say about three or four years ago, I just wanted to see some of these places. I really didn't have any intentions of writing a book about it. Um, I just wanted to know where some of these spots were because you've kind of covered it in some of your old older podcasts. You know, there's always disputes over, well, did Billy the Kid die this way or did he die that way? Which, by the way, he was killed that night, but that's another story. I was going right? to ask you, don't worry. Yeah, I figured we'd get to that, but I'm going to I'm going to beat you to the punch. But anyways, I mean, we even then we, we don't know how he died. We don't know the events. I mean, dealing with the courthouse. Did he steal the gun from Bell? Did he wrestle it away from Bell? Did he get it from the outhouse? We don't know. We'll probably never know some of those details. But what we do know is we know where these locations were. You know, we may not know how this event occurred. But damn it, we know it happened right here. And for me, that that's what it's all about. I mean, maybe I'm just weird, but I just love standing where he stood, you know, especially in New Mexico, where it's so desolate, a lot of these locations, and you can really just sit back and relax and close your eyes and, you know, and, and take in the environment. And it's just, to me, it's just so cool. So yeah, I set out about three or four years ago to find all these locations. And of course, at that point in time, I'd been to some of the main ones, but I hadn't been to these obscure off in the weeds locations. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I reached out to a lot of the well-known historians and authors at that time. And, and I was honestly just kind of surprised that so few of them really knew where a lot of these locations were. So I just kind of made it a little mission of mine and it's been about four years in the making. So I've got a couple things that I'm still trying to work on and a few other sites that I'm still trying to locate that are kind of frustrating me, but hopefully uh, I've got a publisher and hopefully I'll have it out by this summer is kind of what I'm shooting for. And is it, is it intended to be a guidebook? In other words, will it, will it kind of take you from place to place to place, or is it going to be a repository and say, well, here's all these places you figure out on your own how to get there? Uh, you know, more or less, uh, you know, and I, my intention is to make myself available so people can reach out to me if they want to get a specific location. Honestly, I originally intended it as a travel guide. And that's kind of why it's taken me so long because I had to rewrite so much of it because I just found myself honestly just giving away too much information. So much of this stuff's on private land and you need permission. And, you know, after going to Stinking Springs and realizing that, hey, you know, people are just walking away with history and nobody else is left to see it because of that. I, I realized that I probably need to guard this stuff a little bit closer. And um, I know that kind of stinks because there's other people like me that want to find these things too. So I'm going to kind of gear it more towards, Hey, these are the locations. This is what it used to look like. This is what it looks like now. Obviously if it's accessible to the public, we'll talk about that, but otherwise I'll kind of obviously have to safeguard uh, private property and owners privacy and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, you said something just a couple minutes ago, you said uh, you can, when you're in New Mexico, you can see how remote the area, a lot of these sites really are um, today and, and back in, uh, back in the late 1800s. Do you, if you are at one of these sites and there's mm -hmm. nothing around for miles and do you feel if you put yourself in Billy's shoes, hopeless or hopeful 
in other words, hopeless, like, my God, I mean, I'm nowhere. I got, you know, I got no money. I got, you know, I don't have a gun. I don't have this or is hopeful. Like I'm so far from anything. I think I can stay away and survive here. Like what, what mindset, if you're Billy, the kid, are you in when you're just so far removed from anything that resembles society? Man, I've thought about that question a hundred times. <laughs> why, why he chose to, to remain in these locations, why he chose to go where he did when he did. I, I just think it was a free spirit. I, I, I believe that, yes, it was a familiarity and it was, you know, a knowledge of the people and, and all that. But like you said in an earlier podcast, not everybody liked him, not everybody trusted him, and I'm sure he didn't trust everybody. So I think it was just the fact that it was such a wide open space and that he just, you know, again, it wasn't like nowadays where we have uh, police radios and Google Earth and radars and, you know, it's just, it's, it was pretty desolate. So I just felt like he could stay one step ahead of everybody. And that's probably why he took the chances that he took. Um, I mean, it was pretty foolish on his part in hindsight, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he just enjoyed the, the familiarity of it is, is probably the best idea I can come up with. So I'm going to uh, ask your opinion, put you on the spot for this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy, you talked a lot about uh, the sites near Fort Sumner, Billy obviously spent the last couple months of his life in and around that area for whatever reason. Do you think at any point there was any plan or any intent to leave New Mexico, leave Fort Sumner and head to old Mexico or California or Bolivia or anywhere else? Or do you think he was just going to stay there and and figured somehow Garrett was just going to leave him be? Man. Yeah. I, I firmly think he was just planning to stay there. I don't, well, let's put it this way. I don't know what his plans were, but I don't think he had any intention to go into Mexico or any way away from that territory. I think if that was his intent, he would have done it long before then. I mean, geez, he had three months to disappear. I mean, back in 1881, he could have, he could have gone one state over and changed his name and he would have never been heard from again. I mean, so many famous gunfighters and outlaws just disappeared. Um, it wasn't that uncommon back then. So for whatever reason, he chose to stay there. I, I'm not sure I know exactly why. I personally think that it was for a girl. I think him and Paulita were an item. Um, I think that's that's been a strong suspicion for a long time, obviously, all the way back to Burns's book. Uh, some letters that were discovered by the sheriff of uh, in uh, Dubaca County and Mesilla when Billy was being held there. Uh, he intercepted some letters between Billy and Paulita that they were able to find in some of Burns's manuscripts that mentioned Billy coming back to Fort Sumner. In fact, that sheriff even communicated with Garrett said, Hey, if you know, you might want to check here because he communicated and he's obviously got a thing for this girl. So even though Paulita denied it adamantly, I, it's my opinion that uh, she was just covering her butt for obvious reasons. And I think they were an item. And I think that's why he was there. Um, you know, us guys do strange things for women. I, I can't explain it. I've probably done dumber myself. Yeah. If, uh, if memory serves me correct, uh, Burns actually wrote Paulita in as Billy's love interest in the book. And just yes. before it went to publication, his publisher, uh, since Paulita was still alive, afraid of being sued, made him change it. Is that right? Correct. Yes, that's, that's correct. Yes, sir. So, so Burns in all his interviews and interaction with Paulita, he, he even felt I mean, she's not sure. telling me the truth. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely picked up on it. Um, and there was a reason why he wrote it that way and changed it at the end. So, you know, again, she obviously denied it. I think it's a, a cultural thing with Hispanics. I think she was trying to save her reputation. Nobody, she didn't probably want to be associated with that. She may have been covering up, you know, lies behind uh, him being set up for his death. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I did and I, we may never know, but I firmly believe that that's, that she's the reason why he was there and why he stayed there because there's just no other logical explanation for it. Uh, Garrett was obviously persistent. He was obviously dedicated uh he had killed bowdry he killed O'Falliard in that those same locations so clearly he knew that garrett was not afraid of him he knew that he was not afraid to pursue him i i can't explain it other than for a girl yeah well i agree with you i've done some silly things for women over the years so we okay. all have my friend <laughs> yeah uh, uh okay uh, i've asked this to every other uh researcher and expert is there still some big find to come 
from Billy the Kid. In other words, uh, is some researcher or some historian somewhere going to come across something that we said, oh my gosh, I can't believe we found that? Or have we pretty much got the, as much of the story and as much of the evidence as still exists? Well, you know, I'm going to kind of go a little bit of a different direction than I think what you've gotten so far. I mean, is it possible that we're going to find that chest with everything in it? Sure, that's possible. But unfortunately, the more years that go by, the harder that is to come by, um, you know, and doing all my research. And, and again, I've kind of done some different types of research because mine involves looking for these sites and going to the Bureau of Land Management websites and reading old newspapers. So it's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, I'm just finding that most of this stuff that I'm running across has already been discovered by somebody and just nobody's talking about it for some reason. So, I mean, yeah, could we find some old letters that say something? Sure. I mean, again, like I think Brandon talked about in one of his, you know, there's a gentleman that's come up with evidence that says the kid was a lot younger based off some letters that he's found. So that's awesome. And that's obviously always a possibility. And I don't know. Um, I, other than hitting that goal mine and finding that chest in an attic, I'm just not sure what else there is there that we wouldn't have already come across already, but you know, hell anything's possible. I'm, I'm a little bit more gloomy about it than some of the other guests, I guess, but man, I don't know. I, I sure hope so. Yeah, I do too. So um, keep your eyes, everybody keep your eyes open for a really old chest with uh, something, yes. something inside of it that would, uh, that would prove it for us. Okay, before we move on to uh, the coalition, which is a really important initiative. Um, you already stated earlier that uh, Billy the Kid was killed on July 14th, 1881. That's what you believe, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pat Garrett kill him? Yes, he did. Um, yes, he did. Now, did it happen the exact way Pat Garrett discussed and wrote in his book? I don't think so. Um, what exactly happened? I don't know. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of theories and you've done a freaking amazing job of covering them in the last couple podcasts. So I feel like I'm just going to be repeating what you say, but there's just so much of of uh, Garrett's account that doesn't make sense. Um, one thing that I was actually, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of excited about bringing to light in this podcast and you bursted my damn bubble and beat me to it, but was the, uh, the fact that nobody talks about, except I think Steve mentioned it in his book, if I remember, and then you mentioned it, nobody talks about the fact that it is absolutely impossible. And I've tried, trust me, I looked ridiculous in my living room doing it, but it is impossible to carry a knife, a heavy six shooter, and button your pants at the same time. You just can't do it. Um, we know he didn't have a holster. At least it wasn't described by any of the witnesses. So where'd he put the damn gun at? Um, he either didn't have a gun, in my opinion, or that's not how any of that unfolded. And he was already in the house or some situation like that. So um, little stuff like that just doesn't make sense. And that's why I just don't think he died in the manner that Garrett describes. But make no mistake, he did die that night. Um, there's just too many witnesses. The whole town saw it. People that were friends of Billy the Kid saw him. People that were friends of Garrett saw him. People, uh, you know, like a soldier from Port Stanton that was passing through that had no vested interest either way saw him. The mail carrier from uh, Las Vegas was there and saw the body. They're just who had no vested interest either way. There's just no way that something like that would creep out. And there's a hundred different easy, very justifiable ways to debunk all these ridiculous conspiracy theories. But I'm sure that I'm probably getting ahead of myself and you're probably going to discuss that in a future podcast. So maybe I should probably <laughs> stop right there. Well, that's okay. Yeah. But I mean, we want to give, uh, you know, equal time to, to, to Miller and to Brushy and their story and sure. their evidence and, you know, what, what may have happened. Um, uh, so we'll sure. get there, but everybody's, you know, I love to get everybody's opinion on it because it is even, even if Billy was killed that night, but not, but not like Garrett said, it still is one of the greatest mysteries of the old West, or it was, uh, I think, uh, Utley just described it as a miraculous shot in the dark. Like you happen to be in the right place at the right time. You pulled the trigger, you hit the guy with one shot, he dropped it. Like everything had to be absolutely perfect for Garrett to pull it off the way he did. And yeah, which leads a lot of us to believe that he probably didn't pull it off the way that he said. And gosh, we'd like to know, but unless time travel becomes a thing, I don't think we're going to find out. 
You know, yeah, and, and I am glad to see over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, people are either starting to piece more of this together, and I, I'll credit Steve Cedarwall with a lot of that, and, you know, the way he's opened people's eyes up and just allowed people to look at things a little bit differently, because 25, you know, I'm trying to think how long I've been into this now, but it seemed like earlier on, it, it was a dead set. Um, you either believed brushy or you believed Garrett's account of you know walking across the parade ground barefooted blah 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 and I think that we finally are realizing that hey that's you know he probably died that night but yeah it, it didn't happen the way Garrett said because it just doesn't make sense so um yeah uh he, he died that night though buddy sorry sorry to spoil it for anybody else but that's my story and I'm sticking to it that's and as well you should hey uh just as a quick aside i just did an episode on old fort sumner thanks for furnishing mm -hmm. me with a map that helped reinforce the you know the map that i had sure um, absolutely would you be a proponent and supporter of rebuilding parts of old fort sumner because it's a shame there's really nothing there at all anymore no man i would absolutely love that uh the state of new mexico has man, I'm going to try and be politically correct here, but just has done a horrible job of promoting their biggest asset, which is Billy the Kid. Um, you know, me and Steve have talked and talked and talked about ways to, to push Billy the Kid and to further the agenda, and we're just not getting the state to grab traction and to, to run with any of our ideas, but it's just a shame. I mean, Billy the Kid, hands down, I'm going to get on my soapbox now, but Billy the Kid, hands down, is, is the biggest name in the Old West. Uh, every, I mean, you know, you could argue wider from Tombstone, and I think he obviously comes in second, but I think Billy the Kid, hands down, is the biggest, biggest name in the Old West. But what's the biggest attraction in the Old West? It's Tombstone. And why? Because the state of Arizona knows how to market it, and they know how to promote it, and it just kind of sucks because there's so much awesome history there with Billy that is just slowly disappearing because I can't nobody can get the state behind it so yes i would love to see fort sumner rebuilt at least part of it uh, i'd love to see the maxwell house reconstructed not on the same side obviously because two-thirds of it's in thin air but uh just have it reconstructed to the side or, or something along those lines would be incredible and i think would be a big tourist draw but man i gotta convince the state of it and they just if it's not pottery and indians they're just not buying well, we got to keep talking about it and get somebody's ear. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, well, that's we'll the do. goal. And uh, the the danger with not doing uh, a lot of this stuff is that the the Billy the Kid history, and not just Billy's, but but the history of his universe of people and the Lincoln County War, which was a very important event in the Old West, the real power struggle that you know ran yeah. all the way up to Santa Fe and maybe beyond, uh, is that if we don't preserve that, it does get lost. You talked about the. Uh, uh, the uh, Great House uh, Station, which sure. was essentially lost to history until Lucas found it. So you sure. are the president of Billy the Kid's Historical Coalition, which you can find at BillyTheKidsHistoricalCoalition.com. Uh, and the, tell us about the mission of it and uh, what, what are the projects that you've done and that you're working on? Sure. Um, you know, the mission, it's, it's nothing fancy. It's pretty simple. We're, we're here to preserve, protect, and promote uh, you know, Billy the Kid history and anything connected with Billy the Kid. It doesn't have to specifically be Billy the Kid. We've, you know, started to kind of branch off into some other areas. I've certainly, I've talked to Steve and helped him a lot with, uh, you know, other areas, you know, the Fountain case, for example, and, you know, just anything associated with Billy the Kid is what we're here to promote and endorse. Um, like I talked about earlier, the, the Headstone projects are a really big uh, passion of mine. So, you know, me and my buddy, Jason Young, I'm going to talk about him for a quick second. He's the other half of this, this operation. We sat down about a year and a half ago and, you know, we wanted to do some things. We wanted to put some headstones up and we wanted to basically kind of get the ball rolling and keep Billy's name out there. So we, we reached out to uh, another similar organization and basically just kind of got stonewalled. We got nowhere. So we just thought, well, hell, let's just uh, we'll just start our own. And that's kind of what we did. So we've been around about a year now, um, and I think we've gotten a lot of progress. We've gotten a lot of good things done uh, already. We've got a grave up for Jose Chavez, E. Chavez. Everybody knows him from Young Guns. I was able to locate that site, which was a little bit of work. I'm not ashamed to say. And we got a headstone up for him. You were there with me. You know how uh, how desolate and how much hard labor went into that. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, that was the first thing we were able to do. And his grave's been unmarked for probably 60 years. So I was really proud of that. We've got Carlisle's grave coming up in, you know, the next three to four months, as soon as I iron a date out for that. But we've already got the headstone purchased through donations. We've got that locked down. Uh, another one of our board members has kind of gone out on his own and he's uh, taken the initiative and he's uh, paid for and we're going to put a headstone up for Joe Grant. Uh, or uh, I'm sorry, not Joe Grant. I apologize. Uh, uh, Wendy. Wendy Cahill. Sorry. Mm -hmm. All these names rolling through my head. But yeah, we've <laughs> uh, we're going to put up a grave for uh, Frank Cahill or Wendy Cahill down in Arizona. And that hopefully will happen within the next month or so. We're just waiting on the go-ahead from the uh, cemetery down there because it's on private land. So, yeah, we've, I, I feel like in just a year's time period, we've done some good things. We've got some good momentum going. Uh, we've got a, a journal that we put out every year. We're about to publish our second one now that talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, we're in uh, kind of in partnership, so to speak, with Cold West and Steve Cedarwall. He's doing some amazing things. Uh, he's got uh, Santa Fe's ear a little bit. So hopefully that will kind of enable us to get a little bit of traction. So yeah, we're, we're doing some good things. I think we've been able to do some things that other organizations weren't able to do in a whole lot more time. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the direction we're going. Uh, Long-term, you got the Headstone Project, but what would be some of the other initiatives you'd look at as you know three, four, five years down the line? Like what will the coalition be? And what will it do for people that are interested in the history of Billy Bonnie? Sure. Um, well, outside of the headstone projects, obviously, and we could go on and on. I could talk for another hour about all the graves that we need to mark. But outside of those, uh, Stinking Springs is probably on the forefront of, of all of our minds as far as when we meet for board meetings and whatnot. That's, that's probably the next uh, project outside of graves that we're going to tackle. So uh, from there, really, it's just kind of uh, one board meeting at a time. And let's talk about another project and let's move forward. So um, the uh, there's the store in Puerto de Luna. And please don't put me on the spot and make me pronounce his name because I'll butcher it. But uh, that's in desperate need of, of repair and some attention. So um, I've kind of got some ideas in my head about reaching out to them and, and trying to do some work to preserve that site. You know, that's the location where Billy had his last Christmas dinner at. And of course, uh, there's a lot of other Billy the Kid history, Pat Garrett history related to that site. So that's another big interest of ours. So yeah, I mean, I could, again, I could go on and on because somebody's got to start trying to preserve some of these sites and kind of putting a little bit of pressure on the state to get them to do it as well, because otherwise, man, it's just going to be gone. And uh, that's, that's sad. I'm afraid if, we don't do something with stinking springs for example that another 20 years and it'll it'll be completely lost you'll never find it again so we need to just see if we can do something to fix that yeah yeah for sure if people want to get involved with the coalition or support it what do they do sure go to our website if you'll post that when we get done i'd really appreciate that but if you'll go to our website um we've got a little store there we're working on expanding that buy some merchandise man that that's the best way that we can can make some money obviously if you just want to donate to us clearly that's super cool and we're very appreciative um but uh you know buy some merchandise buy a membership we've got memberships right now uh Currently, they're only $21 a year. Obviously, 21 is kind of a cool number for obvious reasons. So we went with that to start with. We thought it was kind of catchy. It's super cheap. That'll get you a uh, journal, a patch, and that will get you a VIP ticket into all these uh, events that we have planned, uh, like the Headstone services and stuff like that. We're going to – that'll allow you into those. So, yeah, um, join the coalition. Help us out. Help us get some money so we can – can save this history because unfortunately if we don't do it, I'm afraid nobody else will. If uh, people are close to New Mexico and they want to get hands-on and actually help in these projects, is that something that they could do through the coalition as well? Sure. Um, absolutely. Like I said, reach out to us. If you've got any projects that you've got in mind or you're aware of any of these locations, any of these sites, anything like that, and, and you've got some ideas that are just eating at you and you want to share them with us, please reach out to me. Um, again, Michael, you've got my contact information. Feel free to, to share email addresses and websites and all that good stuff with all these people and, and reach out to me and let me know what's on your mind or what you feel like you can do. And we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. I've, 
I've been really blessed in the fact that these last three or four years when I've been doing this, I've made some awesome contacts, um, some really good friends and I've kind of got a pretty good little network going. So I feel like I can at least point people in the right direction or kind of get the ball rolling, depending on what you've got in mind. So yeah, please reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to me or Jason Young. We both keep pretty normal hours. So both of us are pretty easy to get a hold of and uh, we'll definitely see what we can do for you. Uh, the uh, website is Billy, the kids, historical coalition.com. There'll be a, uh the uh, web address in the show notes. And also there's a Facebook page, uh, Billy, the kids historical coalition. You can go and like that and connect with the coalition there as well. Get involved. Um, Josh, I want to thank you so much. Uh, what a wealth of knowledge about sites that I would never have known about, uh, would probably never have uh, gotten to see. And so I really appreciate you uh, and and all the the I don't want to say the guys because you have a girl in there too. Sure. But, uh, and all the folks in uh, in you know making the commitment to save this stuff. It's a it's a thankless job. I mean, people will thank you, but you're not getting paid for it. It's you know a lot of time and effort and your own expense to travel back and forth to these places. But if not for you, who would do it? And the answer is probably nobody. So thank you. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, as well as I do, we've not even touched the tip of the iceberg with this stuff. Um, so yeah, let's do this again sometime, man. I really enjoyed it. Sounds great. Josh Slatton, everybody, and uh, appreciate you being here, Josh. Thank you so much. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you like westerns? Do you like new movies? Do you want to see something you haven't seen before? You can go stream my brand new movie, 30 Seconds in Hell, a supernatural retelling of the gunfight at the OK Corral, right now on Vimeo. That's V-I-M-E-O dot com. The movie brings back to life all of the gunfighters of the OK Corral, their women, their friends, their enemies, and they're brought to a mysterious saloon on the edge of nowhere resurrected from the grave they get one chance to either get it right or fight it out again and if they do we'll win you can stream 30 seconds in hell right now on vimeo.com v-i-m-e-o and just search for 30 seconds in hell hope you enjoy it man that was good stuff huh josh slatton there's uh there's just tons of Billy history and tiny little pieces scattered all over the Southwest. And uh, yeah, I think Josh is right. We don't save it. It's gone. It, it will be unfindable at some point. And when you can't find it, you can't, you can't be in that environment and it becomes even more difficult to discuss the significance of it in Billy's life and the, you know, the bigger forces of the Lincoln County war, so on and so forth. So, yeah, if you can get involved, by all means, do it, Billy the Kids Historical Coalition. And uh, maybe you can set up a tombstone. I got to take part in the one for Jose Chavez E. Chavez. Actually, I picked up the tombstone uh, from a friend of mine who owns a monument shop in uh, near Los Lunas, uh, Peralta, maybe, New Mexico, Bosque Farms. And uh, I drove it to the spot out near Milagro, and then we drove two miles <laughs> off of any road or anything that even resembled a road uh, to get to the cemetery. And the thing was, you look at the cemetery and you go, wait a minute, there's nothing else here. Like you look and there's two miles, maybe three miles distant. Maybe it's five. I don't know. Uh, there's a, an old church, but it's five miles across nothing. And so you, uh, you wonder like, why would you have built a cemetery here? What was here at some point that made sense to have this cemetery? And that cemetery is filled with many, many, the remains of many children who died during the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Um, but uh, Chavez happens to be buried there. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was treacherous getting back there, but it was cool to be able to do that and take some pictures. So maybe you can get involved in that too. Billy the Kids Historical Coalition. Hey, if you want to support this podcast, which I'd greatly appreciate, there's a different way, tons of ways to do that. 
and there's probably not tons of ways. I think there's a little support button somewhere on the uh, podcast screen, which you can uh, support the podcast with a donation that way. Um, the best way you can do it is you can rent or buy my new film, 30 Seconds in Hell. That's a great thing. And you can also go to Mankind Pro, mankindpro.com, and you can take a look at my Back to Billy series of books, book number six, five, or sorry, four empty graves is just being released on February 18th. That's the day that John Tunstall was killed, February 18th, 1878, uh, and which uh, really ignited the Lincoln County War. Uh, but February 18th, 1878, something strange happens in my book, in this final book in the series. So if you head on over to mankindpro.com, you can order that and uh, read it. You can buy the whole series of books, which would be great. I'd appreciate that. And uh, we'll just keep coming at you with great Billy the Kid podcast content. So I think that's enough for one day. I'm out of here. Hope you all have a great day and I'll make you famous. <laughs>